The reading is taken from James chapter 5, verse 13, to the end of the chapter. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that, the, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the tr truth and someone should bring that person back, remember, remember this, whoever is a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multiple multitude of sins. Thank you, Kate. Well, it's just great to be here and to actually meet you face to face. Face to face is so much better than trying to do the YouTube clip, which my son actually had to help me with every single time. <laughs> I never actually learned how to do that. Yes, I was sitting behind um, a van in traffic the other day and it, I, the, the words on the back just caught my attention. It said, healing, ventilation, conditioning, and all your energy, green energy solutions sorted. And I thought, wow, healing comes with all of that. And then I reread it and it said heating. <laughs> but I thought, actually, do you know what? We have a vehicle for healing and for every bit of life, and it's called prayer. And I know that you have been looking at this subject of prayer the last few weeks, and you, I think you're about to start a new subject on the matter of healing. Uh, and this passage in James that Kate read for us, um, it sort of straddles both the prayer and the healing, prayers that heal. Um, I was reading about some missionaries in Africa, and they were teaching the new believers that it's really important to pray. Start the day off in prayer. In fact, why don't you just have a little walk outside the village into the grassy sort of woodland area and find your own private spot and have a pray. So the, the people started doing this. But of course, over time, their little tracks were formed where their private prayer spot was. But also over time, grass grew. So it was obvious if you hadn't gone on your track because grass was growing on your track. And the elder would come very gently and say, grass is growing in your path, brother or sister. And I thought, wow. I wonder what my path of prayer would look like. I wonder what your path of prayer would look like 
It's such a key thing. It is a gift. And this book of James, James is such a practical writer. God is a practical God, isn't he? And James is writing in such a practical way, full of passion. He said, life isn't always easy. There's going to be ups and downs in life. Uh, but take every day's situations and pray. He says, if you're in trouble, verse 13, pray. And I think trouble can so often cause us to actually walk away from God, if we're honest, doesn't it? And James says, no, 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 no. It's when you're in trouble. That trouble could be in relationships, in your own body, in work. There's lots of different kind of troubles that we might have in life. And James says, go to God in prayer. If you're happy, he says, sing praises. Well, I, I think actually there's a danger when things are going well that we walk away from God as well, isn't there? And James says, don't forget that the good things come from God. Be happy and thank God for the way he's provided for you. Thankfulness actually will protect our hearts from being proud. If you're sick, call the elders. Call a trustworthy, mature person to pray and anoint you with oil. There's no shame in asking somebody to gather around you and pray. So <clears throat> this morning, oh, let me see if I can get this working. Uh, this morning, I've just got three just simple truths that we're going to unpack together. Uh, pray, it's the key in every situation. Pray with others and confess our sins. That's a scary verse. And pray earnestly and in righteousness. So number one, prayer is the key. This is verses 13 to 15. How important is prayer to you? What is prayer? Prayer is communication with our father. Just like a little baby there starts communicating with mum, little cries to begin with and babbling as they get to be a toddler. And then as they mature, perhaps it's a few grunts when they're a teenager. Uh, but we mature, don't we? We mature in conversation. And God wants us to mature in our conversation with him. And this is as important as air is to our lungs. We don't stop breathing. If we stop breathing, we will die. And if we stop praying, actually, we will die spiritually. Prayer is your air. Uh, a six-year-old girl was was throwing a shoe, one shoe, under her bed every night. And her mum said, why are you doing that? And she said, well, mummy, my teacher said that if I go to find my shoes in the morning, it will remind me to stay there and pray. I thought, maybe we should all start throwing a shoe under our bed. Good advice. And James is such a practical, good advice man. He says, whatever your situation is, however hopeless your life is, go to God in prayer. And that might be battles in your heart or battles with other people. Do you know Jesus? Jesus loves you. That's the bottom line. He has finished the work on the cross for you. And he loves you. Come to him. I love that old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Prayer is the gift that keeps going. It connects us to God's love and his power and his perspective on what's happening in our life. It gives us his point of view. Do you know, even Paul, that 
great man of faith recognized this need. He wrote to the Philippian church, and he wrote this in chapter 4. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul knew he had needs. Who of us here doesn't have a need? I certainly have needs, and I'm sure you do. But, you know, pride will keep us quite often from doing that first thing of going to God. We're very quick, perhaps, to go to Google um, or to ask Siri. And those tools are fine. They're good things to have those tools in our life. But if they distract us from going to God, then that's not good. The devil is delighted if we're distracted from taking these things to God. The devil loves it when a, a, a believer doesn't pray. Because prayer will affect his strategy and his activities. So don't let pride keep you from praying. There's a beautiful verse in Isaiah 66. And it's basically saying, humility will draw the gaze of our Father God into our life. Do you want to draw the gaze of God into your life? I do. This is what it says, Isaiah 66. These are the ones I look on with favor those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Don't let pride stop you from praying. It's a gift given. I mean, when we became a believer, we knew we weren't able to save ourselves. We knew it was the cross of Jesus, didn't we? We knew it's him, his finished work. It's not natural, but it's grace isn't natural. We can't earn our salvation, yet somehow when we're saved, we suddenly think we've got to make life work for ourselves. And we can't. We need God. I came across a lovely, lovely picture of what that um, idea of prayer and, and relying on God is. When you go to bed at night, you put your full weight onto the, body, onto the bed, don't you? You're not trying to support yourself up as you're sleeping, are you? You put your full weight onto that bed. That's what it's like being a Christian. We put our full weight onto God, God's love, God's power, God's wisdom. And humility is saying, yeah, I need that every day. I need that. Uh, it's an interesting thing that the word sick in verse 14 is actually different to the word sick in verse 16. Verse 14, it's a sickness that's actually debilitating. It's an illness that has put you to bed, really, that kind of uh, illness and sickness. Whereas verse 16 is a more of a weariness. But it's okay to ask for help. This is what James is saying. Um, and why oil? He says, uh, come and ask the people to come and pray over you and anoint you with oil. Do you know, it's not the oil that heals us. Oil represents the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit filling you as a believer and touching your body and your mind and your spirit. It's, it's, like, it's symbolic. It's like when you become a Christian, you're baptized, you go through the waters of baptism. That water isn't magical. It's a, it's a symbolic way of showing that you've come through, you've been cleansed. You know, Jesus is the one that's done the work for you. Amen. Oil isn't necessary for healing, but it's a beautiful reminder that we're a member of God's kingdom, that we're a member of the royal household, actually. And I love, there's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 61, where it talks about God giving us the oil of joy. 
of being in his family, connected to him, not, not uh, the mourning. So this is a connection. Uh, of course, in James' day, actually, they would have used oil. There was a medicinal value uh, for oil, um, but it's not, it's not a ritual. It's not a formula. Do this, do this, and you'll be healed. We can't put God in a box like that. Um, it's not, you know, God isn't a divine slot machine. I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that, and then come on, God, you do that. Actually, it doesn't work like that, but, but we can read his word, and we can seek to follow him, and we can trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and the righteousness that he gives to us. I love the message. It puts it like this. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Then sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with the oil in the name of the master. Believing prayer will heal you and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Believing prayer, what a gift. I was struck the other day that the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them, they don't say Jesus teach us to prophesy, they don't say Jesus teach us to heal, they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And if they'd seen Jesus drawn to that place of prayer, hadn't they? Jesus, time and time, went to his Father. And I have to say that if Jesus, the Son of God, felt that was important and a right and a good thing to do, who am I not to? I'm speaking to myself here as well. Okay, it's the key in every situation. Pray with others and confess, verse 16. Surely this is one of the scariest verses that we could come across. James says, don't forget to make prayer happen with each other. This is healing. And I love Milford Baptist Church because you're praying all the way through the service. You're praying. I love it. And I know that at the end you're going to be offering prayer and, and anointing. I think you're, you are making this a priority the message puts it like this, verse 16. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. It's amazing that we, as a body of believers, can pray and gather together with each other. It flies in the face of the world's fierce individualism. The devil hates it. He hates it when we pray individually with God our Father. And he hates it when we pray together. Because actually it brings us health. It brings us healing. And it is a witness to the world. Because we're broken, but we're living out of the resources of God's love for us. God's forgiveness for us. And the world says, what? They can do that. What a witness that is. I don't know how it works. You know, that we pray for each other and it does us good. I don't, I don't know how that works. But, you know, we won't really have real power in our fellowship if we don't have real fellowship. And that will involve interaction with each other. We benefit each other. We make each other stronger so that we can fulfill our part in fellowship. Um, I came across this phrase, which I think says, says it all. Express it to address it. 
And it's not about going through the religious motions of it. It's about actually learning to love each other sacrificially, to stop the wrong conversations that are harmful. You know, sin in our lives, we want to hide, don't we? We want to hide away when we're sinful, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. And sin in, in our corporate life wants us to hide away. But we, we mustn't hide away because that will rob us of the peace that God wants to give us. The devil wants to rob us of being peacemakers and of living in a place of peace. And peace comes from Jesus Christ, from his finished work of the cross. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> that thing it struck me this week. It's the finished work of the cross. If we're not doing this confession with each other, then the enemy will become an easy target for the enemy. <clears throat> this isn't natural. It's very hard to share our struggles with each other. Actually, we much easier to pretend that we're spiritual supergiants, isn't it? Uh, but we need to do this very carefully. A word of warning here, I think. We need to do this with the Holy Spirit and with humility. We need to love and accept each other, respect each other. And I have to say, we have to do this sharing with each other with just a single devotion to bring that thing to prayer, not to bring that confession of that person, uh, not to have it as a root of bitterness in your own heart, not for it to become a sin for you, not to pass it on in gossip. We have to do this so carefully. If we don't, it will lead to havoc, not healing. Paul writes this in Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Notice how he talks in that family connection. Brothers and sisters, live by the Holy Spirit with his humility, not your own agenda, and do it in a gentle manner. That brings restoration, not condemnation. We need to ask God's Holy Spirit to guide us as we listen to each other and as we actually speak to each other. We've got to be a bit like the Dead Sea uh, rather than a babbling brook. If someone comes and they confess with you, you've got to keep it with that person and with God, like the Dead Sea. Don't pass it on and gossip um, downstream. Okay. I think the other thing is also, this is about the words and actions that we do to each other that hurt each other. This isn't about our deepest thoughts. Um, I'd rather you didn't tell me the bad thoughts you thought about me. It, it won't help me. Uh, talk to God about them, but don't tell me about your bad thoughts <laughs> about me, uh, and I'll do the same. We've got to confess our deepest thoughts to God, God the Father. But it's the things that hurt, that are obvious with each other that we need to come and confess to each other. Confession in itself is healing. We know that, don't we? Uh, I love the way Lynn gave us that time of confession at the beginning of our service. So do you think prayer is a priority? Do we confess and pray? Uh, and finally, pray earnestly and with righteousness, the effectiveness of our earnest righteous prayers. It's living on the outside what we believe on the inside. In other words, it's not just being a crisis prayer. I think it was Martin Luther who said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Wow. I think the world would say that's a very inefficient use of time. But actually, deep down, we do know that that time at the Father's feet uh, in prayer 
is well time well invested because you know when we come to God there's actually no limit what God can do with us and through us the rest of the day there's no limit to that we get his wisdom his resources his courage to take that step of faith we need to do that. It's, it's like, uh, I think there was, I think, Lynn, you, you read it, the, the connection to the vine. It's, it's all about connection to the vine, isn't it? The source of all, our wisdom and our peace and our healing. Do you pray daily and earnestly, or are you just a, a 999 crisis prayer? Powerful prayers won't come from people who just have a 999 rescue service type God. Yes, he does hear our 999s. Of course he does. But it's the daily walk, the real relationship with God that is powerful. And that's all about having Jesus on the throne, isn't it? It goes back to that thing of allowing Jesus' finished work in our life to be the thing that avails us of righteous living. We can't do this on our own. The Pharisees were very quick to um, judge Jesus, they were very jealous of Jesus, weren't they, in the, old, in the New Testament? And there's a story in John 9 where Jesus has healed a man and he'd been born blind. And the Pharisees are so jealous and they try to get the man to say, tell us it was Jesus and tell us that he healed you by demons, demonic work. And this is what the man said to them. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. He listens when we cry out for forgiveness, yes. And he listens when we're seeking to live in line with him. And I love the fact that James goes on to talk about Elijah. He says, Elijah wasn't perfect. He was a man just like us. Verse 17. He had a nature like us, but he prayed earnestly. And God heard his prayer. That word, like us, in the Hebrew is hormoipathes. Same as us in his nature, same as us in his emotions and in his weakness. Elijah had his ups and downs. You can read all about it when you go home if you want. 1 Kings 17, 18, 19. He was one day on that mountain, Mount Carmel, with all those prophets of Baal saying, this is the true God, worship him. The next day, he's depressed under a broom tree in the desert in Judah where God finds him. You know, he's like us, he's up and down. But we are told he prayed earnestly and he sought God's revelation. He sought God's good for the nation. He went against the idols of the day. He had God's perspective as he prayed. God, Elijah lived out of his communication with God. And you know, we can do that too. We can pray for wisdom when we lack it. We know what God's desire for us is to be, to be holy, to be peacemakers, to be prayerful, to be dependent on him, to trust in him, and actually to love him. There's a, there's a proverb that is one of my favorite verses. Proverbs 23, I think it is. My son, give me your heart. My daughter, give me your heart. That's God's desire for us. Everything else will flow from that. And God's will for us isn't always what we want, but it's the perfect will. I had a message from my friend in China this week, and despite all of her troubles, this is what she WhatsApped me. God's way is much higher than my way. God's will be done 
in his timing. And that's it, isn't it? We cry out to him, knowing that he knows us, knowing that he hears us, knowing that he heals us, can heal us, knowing that his timing and his will for us is the best for us and will bring him the glory. And I love that word Elijah prayed earnestly, earnestly. I've been reading through the uh, New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, and every time someone is earnestly seeking Jesus, Jesus reaches out. Do you remember Zacchaeus? He runs forward and he climbs that tree to see Jesus. And then that woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, she pushes her way through the crowd just to touch the hem. And those four friends who take the roof apart to get their friend to Jesus. These people earnestly sought Jesus, didn't they? And you know, every single one of them received forgiveness and healing, body, mind, and soul. The, right, the prayers of a righteous man or woman are powerful and effective. That can be you and me with God's grace and with us working in the righteousness that he gives to us to walk in Jesus Christ's righteousness for us. Jesus has paid that penalty so that we can be healed, forgiven, and restored. Elijah prayed with intensity, integrity, not perfection, but integrity. And with intentionality, he persevered. Charlie and I have been praying for a healing this week, on and off all week, and uh, we did not get the healing straight away. Persevere, brothers and sisters, in prayer. A delay is not a denial. And silence is not God's absence. Rest, rest in God's love for you. Rest in his finished work for you. All healing is from the Father. All healing is divine. Our biggest need is for forgiveness and everything else from that salvation will flow out of that and our lives will be transformed. And as God's family, that's you and me, the church, we will show the world that transformation. So, what's your attitude? Oh, hang on, I don't think that's right. What's your attitude? Is it a priority to pray? Are you confessing your sins and praying with one another? And do you match your earnest prayers with the way that you're living? I've just got a couple of challenges, really, as I finish this morning. If you are a believer and you have received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, I urge you to go in deeper into the wholeness that God wants for you. Bring those areas of hurt. Bring those troubled things in your life, bring them to the cross, either whether it's for yourself or for someone who you know and love. Come at the end and receive prayer and anointing. Don't, don't leave today the same way that you came in. If you're walking in pain every day, whether that's a mental anguish, emotional trauma, whatever it might be, ask, ask your brothers and sisters to gather around and pray with you. And if you're not a believer here this morning, if you haven't received the healing of forgiveness, then I urge you, don't walk back into life and miss out on the freedom that God's forgiveness and God's healing relationship with him will bring you. He has a wholeness and a peace, a shalom, a peace to, to give to you to, in your life. And we're going to pray that he abides with each one of us individually, and each, and each other as a church. We're going to seek the good for each other, confessing our sins, 
kindly with each other so that he will restore and heal us. Again, not all healing is physical. It might be an emotional thing uh, or a, a, a mental thing. It, whatever it is, uh, God, God wants to heal our broken lives. I'm going to f- finish with a prayer that I wrote in the very early hours of Saturday morning uh, when I was thinking about prayer. If you're brave, uh, I want you to close your eyes and put your hands ready to receive whatever God has to give you this morning. Father God, we thank you for the covenant love that you cover us in. Not dependent on us, but all about you. Giving to us when we selfishly keep things back from you. Drawing us into the light when our hearts and minds are dark with despair, dislocated with selfishness and damaged with sin. We ask you, Spirit, to release us to new freedoms of sweet obedience and a new power to be transformed. Spirit, break out. Help us receive healing and help us to love you first and each other next. Take me afresh, dear Father. Drive sin far from my heart. Fill up my every broken crack. Transform this child in every part. Amen.